0: Father, we thank you for who you are. You are such a great God that you cared for us and you sent your very best. We just wanna praise you just for that alone, that you love us and we thank you for that. Father, we just pray for Phil now as he opens your precious, precious word. May you bring it in power and strength. May you touch our hearts. May you convict our hearts as well on the subject he is speaking on. Give him strength and power. Bless him, we do pray. And bless us as we hear your word also. So thank you for him uh, in the name of our lovely and wonderful Saviour, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We are at war with the devil. No, Jesus said that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. And one thing we need to understand for our passage today is that Satan is actually real. You know, Hollywood would like us to think that if somebody is influenced by Satan that they are screaming and talking in different voices and all sorts of funny things going on. But the reality is often quite different. Do you really think that Hitler and all of World War II could have happened without the influence of Satan? Hitler organized the murder of millions of people. He created a society where the murderers were held in high honor. But Hitler, he was not insane. He was a very calculating man. He was able to govern an entire nation. He brought an entire nation of normal, ordinary, good people, even church-going people, and he brought them to a place where they would be willing to kill as many Jews as possible, and he brought them to a place where they believed that they could invade the entire world and overtake it. Do you really think that all of Hitler's evil could be put down to something his mum forgot to tell him when he was growing up, or the fact that his dad was busy with work? No. Satan is real. He and his evil forces are here, they're active and operative in our society, and they're waging war with us because we belong to Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus says. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy those people who are following him. And this is why God, through Paul, is telling us what he's telling us in Ephesians chapter 6. If you turn there with me, please, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. to stand firm. Ephesians chapter six verse ten says, be strengthened for the fight by God's the power of God's strength. That's the idea there. You know when you think of fighting the devil, it's easy to think of the weird things that you see in movies. But the power to fight the devil does not come from spells or potions or crosses or light bulbs or rituals or places or times or any of those things. The power to fight, to fight Satan comes from the strength that God has. And this is what Paul is reminding us of here. Be strengthened and be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And we know that our God is immensely powerful, and we've seen this as we've gone through Ephesians. Remember in Ephesians in chapter 1, where Paul is declaring that Jesus is above all. Paul prayed that the church would know the hope and inheritance of our God. And then in chapter 1, verse 19, Paul says, he prays that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us who believe, according to the work on working of his great might that God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all." And we can see the link here with our passage, because in our passage, Paul is piling up terms. He says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the power of God's strength. He's piling up these terms to show us that God is really powerful. And the same thing here that we saw in Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 19. God has great might. He raised Jesus from the dead. He seated Jesus in the heavenly places. God's power is so great that Jesus is above all rule, all authority, and that means Jesus is above Satan's rule and above Satan's authority. Jesus is undefeatable. No one can match him. He's not merely head and shoulders above the rest. He says everything is under Jesus' feet. He stands far above everything else. And so it is God's strength, God's power that we need to rely on in order to stand our ground against Satan and his forces. We need God's strength or we will fall. So how do we do that? How do we how do we be strengthened by God? Well, once again, the movies are not a good indication. There's no special prayer to to pray, no bioluminescent sort of plasma lightning that's going to come out of your eyeballs. All of these things um, will not work. Instead, the way to to take strength from God is to be close with God, to have a close friendship with God, and um, remember that what Paul said in Ephesians three that when God's when when God's power is at work within us, we will understand the love of God. And so I want you to hold on to this thought because this thought's going to come through another couple of times and we're going to develop it a bit more each time we we come across it. Being close to God is putting on the armor of God, is taking strength from God. Hold on to that thought. Some Christians seem to think, well, You know, I I know God, I'm a Christian, so I'm sweet. I I know God, Jesus is more powerful than Satan, so I'm sweet. I'll just carry on with my life. Well, you're right about the no worries part, but here we're commanded to actively put on the armor of God. We're commanded to do something about it, and we're we're not to just drift along. Um, I think it was Leon Morris who said, You can drift into sin. But you cannot drift into righteousness. We're commanded to put on the whole armor of God. And this is the next section that we have. Put on God's armor so we can stand against the devil's schemes. And we'll read verse 11 and 12 again. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Thankfully, God has provided his own armor for us to fight this fight, for us to to win this wrestle, for us to stand in the victory that he has won for us. And Paul definitely has in mind a number of passages in Isaiah you know, um, in Isaiah, we read of God's armor. God, in Isaiah chapter 59, God put on righteousness as a breastplate. God put on a helmet of salvation on his head. God put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak, according to their deeds, so God will repay them, wrath to his adversaries and repayment to his enemies. This is the same armor that God wears when he goes to war, when he goes, comes out in judgment. The armor that we are called to put on is very good and effective armor. And so we should be reminded then that when putting on this armor and depending on God, that in effect it's imitating God, being like God. And we can recall Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God and live a life of love. You know, God, he... He brings salvation. God has, is clothed in righteousness. His, everything about God is righteous and true and just. And in putting on this armor, God wants us to be righteous and true and just and to, and to accept, to live in his salvation and his deliverance. To, so again, to take strength in God is to be like God, to put on this armor and be close with him. And if you think about that, it makes a lot of sense. You know, if you're in a really tough time and you have some good friends, then they'll encourage you. They'll give you a, good, a better perspective on what's happening than what you have. And they'll, they'll go through it with you and they'll stand there with you and they'll enable you to carry on with your life. And God is like that. Only he is perfect. God is the very best friend. When we are close with God, we can look into his word. We can get a better perspective on life, on our hearts, on what is happening. We can get God's perspective on things. And then we know that God is always working for our good. And we know that God will sanctify us and that he has the strength to enable us to withstand the, the schemes of the devil. Jesus said that the devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native language. When we look at God's word and when we are close with God, we're going to be able to see Satan's lies for what they are. So take strength in our mighty God by being close with Him. We wrestle against the schemes of the devil. You know, the devil's aim is always to steal and kill and destroy. And we're, we're used to that idea, I guess, to some extent, of Satan at work in our world. When you hear of the terrible genocide on the news, when you hear of all the awful things, it's, it's easy to say, well, yeah, I can see Satan is at work in our world. But make no mistake, Satan is after our very lives, our hearts, and our church. Because Satan hates Jesus, and he wants to trip us up. This word struggle, your Bible might translate it struggle or conflict, is literally the word wrestle. And while you wouldn't normally wrestle with armor on, the idea of using this word is that the conflict that we have is up close, it's in your face, it's personal. It's not like warfare today where someone pulls a trigger and two kilometers away someone else will die. No, this wrestling is, is down and dirty and it's Sore, and it's in your face, and it's a struggle of life and death. And the devil is not only out there in society, he is here, he is wanting to attack the church. We know that he can't live inside us because the Holy Spirit lives inside us, but we can see from the Bible that the devil is able to oppress Christians. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul said that Satan hindered him from going on a mission trip. In the Gospels, we can see that Satan is behind the sickness of some people. Don't ever let that stop you going for a a doctor, but Satan can afflict people. Revelation chapter 2, Satan is about to put some of you in prison. Satan is behind those who are promoting false teaching, behind those who claim that God is all for your benefit, God is all about you, and you can manipulate God to get whatever you like. Satan is the one who is influencing culture. He has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of Christ, so that society is full of all the temptations you can think of. Satan is the one who tells us that the answer to every problem is a a medicinal pill. Satan is the one dividing churches and setting up Christian leaders for failure. Satan is the one who helps make our lives so busy that we have no time for God, no time for church. Satan is working in the world so that we will look for the things of God in ev- in every idol possible, we know we need God' love, God's love, but the devil wants you to look for it in sex. We know we need eternal life, but the devil would rather that you look for it in anti-aging creams and fitness programs. We know we need a loving community, but God would prefer you look for it in sports and at the and at the bar. We know we need the security of knowing that things will turn out well in the end that things won't go, ter- won't go permanently and terribly wrong. But the devil doesn't want you to think of the amazing sanctification we have in Christ and his return when there will be plenty for everybody. No, Satan would rather that we bank on money and savings and investments and possessions to guarantee our future. None of those things are bad in themselves, but when they replace God in our lives, they become idols. They lead us away from God, and that's exactly what Satan wants. He is, he is organizing society, I believe, so that every temptation possible is right in front of us all day long, so that we will ignore God. And I think that as far as his strategies for um, us as Christians... I've got three there, but I think they really boil down to one. Satan's one main strategy is that he wants us to depreciate our salvation, to ignore our salvation and forgiveness in Christ. For some Christians, he wants them to think that our salvation in God is really not worth paying attention to. So they're distracted. They'd rather play computer games or rather go on the internet or rather be at work than be focusing on God at all. Not that those things are bad in and of themselves, but if they take our focus from God, that's exactly what the devil wants. For some Christians, the, devil, the devil, word devil means accuser, and he definitely accuses. He wants us to think that God's forgiveness and love is absolutely worthless, so that we feel so bad and so guilty and so down that we never do anything for God. Those thoughts like, oh, I hate myself, I'm not good for anything, nobody loves me, no one's my friend, I don't feel like doing anything. All of those things, the world would call them problems of self esteem, but it's much worse than that. It's problems of ignoring the love of God for us, ignoring the love of God's people for us as a church family, loving one another. And it's a problem of ignoring the fact that God in Christ Jesus has seated us in the heavenly realms with him, as Ephesians tells us. And whether our guilt and shame is because of something we've done wrong or because we don't have the right car or the right body or enough money, whatever you do, Uh, Dr. Grant Mullins calls it a shame-based economy. Isn't that all the advertising? If you don't buy this product, you should be ashamed. You're not cool anymore. You know. So definitely Satan is good at accusing us and making us depreciate the love and forgiveness that God has for us. And Satan's schemes are definitely in temptation. He wants you to think that God's salvation and God's love and God's holiness are so worthless that we can just do whatever we like, that God's forgiveness is simply a ticket to do what you want. And uh, Satan loves it when we make up excuses to cover our sin. Oh, you know, I I don't have an English problem. I just care about looking after my car. You know, when that guy knocked us and I just exploded in rage, you know, I just care about my car. We need to look after our possessions, you know. But Ephesians tells us, you know, or I don't I don't have a problem with anger, I just care about my brother, you know, you insulted my brother and that's why I bash you up. You know, whatever. The, these things are playing right into in, into Satan's hands. Ephesians chapter four tells us, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give a foothold to the devil. You know, anything in our lives that is not transformed by the gospel can give Satan a place to accuse us, a place to get us down, a place to get us away from God and away from God's love and to to really attack us. Anything in your life or in my life that is not transformed by the gospel can be a foothold for the devil. And so we really need to be close with God, to depend on God's strength, to have that close relationship with God. It's absolutely important. And, of course, it's never just personal. That's how Satan destroys churches as well. can begin with uh, something in somebody's life, and it goes into a big conflict and then um, yeah, causes strife in churches. We need to remember through all this that Jesus has already defeated Satan on the cross. Satan's end is certain. But Satan is still going around like a roaring lion, looking to attack God's people. And he knows that his, his time is short. He knows his time is short. God will, God will come and bring in his the fullness of his, his kingdom forever. So you, we know that because Jesus is king, because Jesus is greater that when Jesus comes back, he will still resurrect you, restore you, sanctify you. But here and now, if we fall, if we choose to walk Satan's way, then we'll be in big trouble because we'll cause strife and division in our families, in our church, in our friends, in our lives. You know, the people who seem to have it all, the the rich, godless people who have all the money and all the friends and all everything, are often desperate slaves to their own selfishness. They're playing right into hands of Satan. Don't don't give Satan a foothold and don't don't let him come and accuse you or make you devalue your salvation. And there's there's much more detail to come on all of this, but Peterson will give it next week. Um, so we need to be do this to put on the armor of God so that we'll be prepared for the day of evil it says therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm and you can see these guys here they have similar bits of armor to what's mentioned in Ephesians they have helmets and shields and belts and boots and weapons Um they're the modern-day equivalent of the centurion's armor. We need to take up this whole armor of God, have a good gospel relationship with God, so that we may withstand in the evil day. So we have two dimensions here in terms of time. Um, in the list of the evil powers that we're wrestling against and struggling against, it um, says that... We are wrestling against the cosmic powers over this darkness, this present darkness. Right now, we need to be putting on God's armor and standing against Satan's schemes. But also, we, it says we need to be able to withstand in the evil day. And Jeremiah wrote to God in his prayer, Do not be a terror to me, because you are my refuge in the day of disaster. Literally, in the evil day, the same phrase. And the evil day sounds like a specific time, a specific attack. And so, some people believe that just before Jesus comes again. Some people believe that it's the specific times that Satan has um, more heightened attacks now. But either way, um, we need to be prepared to stand and to to stand and um, stand the ground, stand in the victory that God has for us already. And um, I, at this point, I just wanted to point out how this maps in with the, with the whole of Ephesians. You see, in, a, in a being close with God and taking strength with God, that means like putting on his armor. We're appreciating God's greatness and his forgiveness and his love, and that's exactly what Ephesians has been about, hasn't it? In chapter 1, he's in him we have every spiritual blessing, and now we're called to have the helmet of salvation and, and stand in him, stand in with his strength, and we're all called to do this together, and Ephesians has a lot to say about the unity of the body of Christ, and we're to be like God, taking up God's armor, and um, in Ephesians, all the things that we're asked to do are the things like the characteristics of God, loving one another, submitting to one another, and being kind and compassionate, and all these things that are like God. God. So, um, just a very brief summary there, but I do hope you can see it. And if you want more, you can talk to me um, later as well. In putting on this armor, we're going to be prepared through prepared to to take our stand as God wants us to take our stand. And you know, the devil is not dumb. You know, after he'd finished, after the devil had finished tempting Jesus in the wilderness. Luke says he left Jesus until a more opportune time. He knows that if he, if he lets up for a while and comes back, we might not be ready for the next attack. So this is why I believe that in Ephesians here, we are called to put on the armor of God. Whether we're in a calm place or whether you can feel the battle, then it's important that we, that we do that. So practice your sword skills. Get into the mindset of a gospel-minded and Christ-centered Christian. Pray hard. Let honesty encompass everything you do. Proclaim God's forgiveness and restoration and trust in God no matter what. If you are distracted, then it's time to sacrifice something that you love so that you have time for church and for God. If you are accused and you need to gather some people around you and pray and Trust in God and appreciate his love and forgiveness. And if you are tempted, then take strength in God's word. Soak yourself in God's word and, and take, take strength to stand against the temptation. I, whatever way we look at it, we need to be appreciating our salvation more and more each day so that we can stand with the Lord our God in his victory. And so Ephesians finishes saying, having done all, to stand firm. On guard. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, we want to thank you for your amazing power and might and strength. Lord, thank you for your wonderful love. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the power to appreciate the beautiful salvation that we have in you. Lord, may you be first in our lives. May you be first in our priority. May we stick close with you each day. Help us, Lord, to stand together against the schemes of the devil in your power and your strength, so that we may be a light and a witness and not dishonor your name. Our Lord God, we give you thanks for your great love. Amen.